and uh, I'll create room also for some questions which have not yet been collected. So that we can address them also. So are we ready? Are you ready? Yes. Oh, I would like yes. us to yes. be communicating. <laughs> I think God abuses this that you go to church and the pastor will not come and talk and talk and talk and talk and say Amen. Everybody say Amen and then you go. No. I want our gatherings to be interactive. Because that is what church is about. Interaction among brethren and sisters. Let's give the Lord a hand of So, Amanda, can you help me with the questions? The first question. Okay, I think that's my Alex. Yes, um, yes. Let, let, let me do it this way. For some questions, they will require me to talk a bit long. Some questions will be short. So, uh, whatever the case will be, the Lord will answer our questions. Yes. If we are not answering it today, we will answer it tomorrow. The issue of death is a serious case that humanity is dealing with. Religion tries to answer it. Science tries to answer it. Philosophy wants to answer it. Psychology wants to deal with it. But in all, we realize that we come face to face with a big question mark. Death. Death of a loved one. 
how do we go about it? And wie gehen wir damit um? The scripture did not let, let us to be ignorant concerning the issues of death. Die Schriften möchten nicht, dass wir ignorant sind, was um, das Thema Tod angeht. This was something that Adam and Eve met already in their early days. Das ist etwas, was Adam und Eva bereits in ihren frühen Tagen begegnet sind. No matter how much we try to reinterpret the story, egal wie sehr wir versuchen diese um, diese Geschichte zu interpretieren, I think there are important things to learn over there. Es gibt wichtige Dinge, die wir dort lernen können. In the beginning, God created man. Am Anfang erschuf Gott den Menschen. And we see already in Genesis chapter 1 the conditions in which the whole creation was taking place. It was a condition of hostility to life. Nine. It was hostile. It was in opposition to life. Also, es waren Umstände, die im Leben, die also gegen den Leben waren. You see, the chaos that was existing in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was chaotic, a dark, and the water and everything. You know, the condition did not permit life, not even life of human being, but life in terms of creation to exist. Am Anfang schuf Gott Himmel und Erde und alles war chaotisch und es war so chaotisch, dass es eigentlich nicht für Leben gedacht war. Dass alles, ähm, was da war, war da, um Leben nicht zuzulassen. So before man, God could create man, God had to push away all these hostile situations to create a safe space for life to develop there. Das heißt, bevor Gott den Menschen erschaffen konnte, musste Gott erstmal die Umstände so umgestalten und alles am ähm, so um, verändern, dass Leben überhaupt an diesem Ort stattfindet. Er musste zum Beispiel das Wasser verschieben, sodass es trockenes Land geben konnte. Er musste das Wasser von oben mit dem Wasser von der Erde trennen. He had to push away darkness. Er musste, um, er musste die Dunkelheit verschieben. So all these elements of hostilities, God pushed them away to create a safe space for life. Das heißt, all diese Elemente, die das Leben nicht zulassen wollten, Gott hat sie alle weggeschoben, so dass Leben entstehen konnte. And God made his own creations. Und Gott erschuf seine eigene Schöpfung. And later on, God thought and said, no, we need somebody to be in charge of the creation Just as I am in charge of the things in heaven. Und dann am Ende der Schöpfung meinte Gott, nein, wir brauchen jemanden, der sich um diese Dinge alle, die ich erschaffen habe, kümmern kann. Und genauso wie ich mich um die Dinge kümmere, die im Himmel sind. And God created man. Und Gott schuf dann den Menschen. And God created Eve, woman. Und Gott ähm, ähm, schuf dann auch Eva, die Frau. And God says, you are going to be in charge of all my creations. Und Gott sagte, ihr werdet ähm, zuständig sein für meine ganze Schöpfung. And God put them in the midst of a garden called Eden. Und Gott brachte sie in die Mitte eines Garten namens Eden. Now, in this, in this garden, in diesem Garten, in the middle of the garden were two trees. One tree was called the tree of life. Ein Baum wurde, um, der Baum des Lebens genannt. And another tree was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It doesn't matter if you take this to be 
uh, not to the realities, but I want you to get the lesson in this story. Es ist nicht wichtig, dass wir diese Dinge jetzt lesen und sagen, sie waren real, aber ich möchte, dass wir diese Geschichte mitnehmen. In the middle of the garden were two trees. In der Mitte des Gartens gab es zwei Bäume. Concerning the tree of knowledge of good and evil, God says, do not touch it. Now, one of the questions, uh, oh, and, and God said, when you eat it, you will die. One of the questions that the critics of God answer or try to ask in this question, uh, in this situation is, why should God create that tree and put it there and ask man not to eat, eat it when he knows very well man will eat it? kritisieren, fragen sich sehr oft, wieso hat Gott überhaupt diesen Baum erschaffen und dann den mitten in den, in den Garten gestellt und dann zu den Leuten gesagt, ihr dürft nicht davon essen. Now, this question would make sense if we think that man is the reason why God created everything in the world. Diese Frage macht Sinn, wenn wir es aus der Perspektive sehen, dass um, der Mensch, der Grund dafür ist, weshalb Gott die Welt erschaffen hat. And interestingly, that is what we teach in the church. Und that is what church tradition teaches. Interessanterweise ist es aber genau das, was in der Gemeinde gelehrt wird. But it is wrong. Aber es ist falsch. God created everything for himself. Gott hat alles für sich selber erschaffen. And he thought, wow, it would be good to put man, to create man, so that he would be controlling the things. Und Gott hat gesagt, ja, es wäre gut, wenn ich noch einen Menschen erschaffe, der sich um diese Dinge kümmern kann. And God for himself created the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. Und Gott für sich selber hat diese beiden Bäume erschaffen, die Bäume vom Guten und Bösen und den Baum vom Leben. So asking God that question would be like, Gott also diese Frage zu stellen, I employ Donaldson to take charge of my house in my absence, maybe. Ich stelle zum Beispiel Donaldson ein und sage, kümmere dich um mein Haus in meiner Abwesenheit. And Donaldson brought in my treasury and stole my money. Und dann bricht aber ein Donaldson zum Beispiel in mein Safe ein und nimmt mein Geld. And when I bring Donaldson to the police station, the police is asking me if you know he can steal. Why did you employ him to take care of your house? What the nonsense! und die Polizei mich fragt, wieso hast du ihn überhaupt eingestellt, wenn du weißt, dass er sowas machen kann? I am dealing with this question because we are no longer in a generation where you can tell people everything and they will buy into it and say praise the Lord. They will question you. Wir werden diese Frage auseinandernehmen, weil wir nicht mehr in einer Generation sind, wo du Leuten einfach irgendwas erzählen kannst und sie gehen weg, sondern sie werden einfach Nachfragen stellen. People want to understand if our God really makes sense. Die Leute möchten wissen, ob unser Gott überhaupt Sinn ergibt. And the scriptures are there to help us to answer the questions. So God created his own things. Also Gott hat seine eigenen Dinge. Why he created them is not my problem to know. Just like I cannot ask God, why did you create that tree there? No, it is God's own creation. And God told Adam and Eve, Do not touch this tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because the day you eat it, you will die. And some people will ask, who, what is that tree? The tree is called 
The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That is the name of the tree. <laughs> Don't try to call it apple. It's not called apple. It is called the, the tree, the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. It is not about how we call it. It's about how God calls it. And he said, the day you eat it, you will die. In the middle, there again, there was another tree called the tree of life. Now, the Bible did not forbid them, or God did not forbid them, not to eat the tree of life. The tree of life, when you eat it, you will live forever. You will be united with God in terms of immortality. It will cause you to be daily dependent on God who is the source of life, who flows and gives you life every day. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil does something. It creates in you the quest of independence. To live without God. To be disconnected from God. To take everything into your own hands. And what happened? When the enemy comes, the snake comes. He told them. When you eat it, you become like God. Your eyes will be open. You will know everything. So man had two choices. Either to decide to live eternally without God or to live eternally with and in God. Now this was an existential choice. Because every decision that they take will affect humanity forever. Unfortunately, they didn't take the right decision. They chose independence from God. Absolute independence. They chose to take life into their own hands and to live life their own way. And like God said, the day you eat it, you will die. What is death? Death is simply excommunication from life, absence of life. So the day they ate it, what happened to them? They were kicked out of the presence of God. That means they were cut away from the source of life. And that marks the beginning of death. Now look at what happened when they ate the fruit. Uh, the, 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 fruit. the punishment that God gave them has to do about life. What did God tell 
Uh, what did God tell Adam? That's what God Adam said. Okay. Yes, please. <laughs> what did God tell Adam? That's what God also Adam said. What was the punishment given to Adam? That's what the strafe that Adam bekommen hat. Yeah, speak out. It's a question. God says yes. Yeah, say it clearly. Okay, God said you are going to work hard before you get the food to eat. What does that mean? Eating is what we need to sustain life. So in general, God is saying you are going to struggle very hard in order to sustain the life that you have decided to live independent of me. And what punishment did God give to Eve? Hey, a Bible student, let's answer, please. What is the punishment? No, not you again. What did God tell, uh, God tell Eve? The punishment, Pamela. That she's going to suffer pain. You see, so it is about how to sustain life and delivery of a baby means how to procreate, how to keep life going on in this world. So in this context, we see that life is met with challenges. To sustain life is a problem. And to ensure the continuous existing of life is a problem. So man is exposed to threat of life. But that is not all. Death comes in, the real death we are talking about. Cain went along to kill Abel. Issues of sickness. All these things are realities to which human life has been exposed to. Including death. Are we establishing a foundation to this place? Now, what happens? In the midst of all these elements that God caused from the beginning, you will die. When everyone is born, the first thing that man faces is the threat of death. Once you are born in this world, one thing you need to know is that you will die. Good people die. 
bad people die. Young people die. Old people die. Europeans die. Africans die. Asians die. We will all die one day. But what humanity does is that we try to push away the limits that this fear of death or the reality of death imposes on us. We try to push away the boundaries that the, the fear or the, the reality of death imposes on us. That is why when a child is born, the mother does everything to protect the child. Okay, I stop for now until everybody sits down and then we continue. Emily, don't worry. I know your words. <laughs> you know your worries, right? Yes, ask the question again so that people who have just come will know what we're talking about. So, I, I am not, I'm not talking about God now. I'm talking about the reality because it's not only Christians who face this issue. It's an existential issue. So we try to push away the boundaries of death so that at least we can live as long as possible. So a mother would first of all try to give all the protections that is needed to a child so that the child should live. The doctor will do everything that is possible to make sure that the child does not die but the child lives. Now, when the child is born and no one takes care of the child, no one feeds the child, the probability that that child can die the same day is very high. So the care of the mother, the protection of the doctor helps the child not to live one day, but to live, you know, to have the probability of living longer. Then the child grows and the child realizes the challenges that in this life, before you can eat, you have to work. If you don't work, you have no money to buy food and if you don't eat, you will die. So he goes to school. He learns house building. He begins to work. He is earning money. And then he is able to sustain his life. That means you are pushing away the boundaries of the threat of death. It came to a time that you realized that as human beings, you must procreate. Because a day will come, you will become old, and you will need some people who are younger to support you at your old age. Wo du älter wirst und du merkst, okay, ich muss äh, 
ähm, Kinder bekommen, sodass auch sie später auf mich aufpassen könnten. Then you have children. You invest into them. By the time you grow, you grow, you grow. They become stronger. They are working and they can support you. Even if you are in your roller, they can move you from A to B. That is also to make sure that you live a bit longer. They give you affection. They give you love. Damit Kinder eines Tages fangen an zu arbeiten und dann kümmern sie sich um dich. Egal wie alt du bist, auch wenn du nicht mehr arbeiten kannst, hast du deine Kinder und sie geben dir all das, was du brauchst, auch Liebe und Schutz. But no matter how long we push this boundary and boundary, it comes to a place where death comes in. Aber egal wie sehr wir versuchen, diesen Tod hinauszuschieben, es kommt zu einem, zu einem Zeitpunkt, wo dieser Tod hineinkommt. No matter what. Egal was passiert. Rich people die. You see, no matter how wealthy or how long you live, your life cannot exceed the grave. You will die really one day. So the question is, what next? So to answer the first question, we all need to be conscious that life has a begin has a beginning and life has an end sometimes people die young sometimes people die old but when this awareness is there that even if we do not face this reality today, we will face it five years to come, ten years to come, twenty years to come. It might be our father whose life comes to that great It must be our, it could be our mother our brother, our sister. And the reality of it is that it is a reality that comes with pain. The pain becomes the person you love so much you realize that you cannot help the person. The pain of the lost. The pain of not knowing what is coming. And these are the realities of life. People who have lost people in their lives, they will understand this. The pain of not knowing what is coming after. But this is also exactly where our God comes in. You see, in chapter 4 of Psalm 23, David says, Ye do I walk through the valleys of shadow of death. durch die Täler des Todes laufe. I will fear no evil. Because you are with me. Denn du bist mit mir. You see, going through the valleys of the shadow of death. It could be when you yourself you are going through it. But it can also be when a loved one 
Das kann aber auch zum Beispiel einfach nur eine geliebte Person sein, die dadurch geht. Und das ist da, wo wir diese Sicherheit von Gott bekommen. Er sagt, selbst in dieser Situation, ich bin nicht mehr. Is a strong and a painful reality. Es ist eine starke und auch eine schmerzhafte Realität. But he is there with us. Aber er ist dort mit uns. And what does he do? Und was tut er? David says, "Your staff and your rod they comfort me." David sagt, dein Stab und dein Felsen sie beschützen mich. Yes, Mama. Sister, I want to remind that it's not so. No problem. It's not so good, but I would like to. You will get it. I hear that. Uh, That's right. Thank you so much. And one of the problems that we have, especially as Christians, I think sometimes we are afraid of facing the realities. And we try to spiritualize everything. What is spiritual death? Spiritual death simply means not to be responsive to the calling of God. When you cannot hear the voice of God, when God talks to you, you do not react. You are disconnected completely from God. That is the spiritual death. But the physical death. In this case, David is talking about physical death. In diesem, also in dieser Geschichte spricht David über den physikalischen. When you come vis-a-vis this reality, that is horrible. Wenn du diese Realität begegnest, die so schrecklich ist. And the doctor tells you in two years time or in six months time you are going to die. Wenn der Arzt dich in eine Zeit nennt, wann du sterben wirst. And the church is praying. Und die Gemeinde betet. And the people of God are praying. Und die die Leute Gottes beten. And you see yourself dying gradually. Und du siehst aber selber zu, wie du langsam. The pastor comes and say you will not die, but you will live, and you say amen. Und dann kommt der Pastor und sagt, du wirst nicht sterben, du wirst leben, und du sagst amen. But you see yourself dying gradually. Aber du siehst selber, wie du langsam stirbst. The valleys of the shadow of death. Die Täler der des Todesschattens. Oh, Jesus went through it. Jesus ist da durchgegangen. Martha and Mary they went through it. Martha und Maria sind durch diese Zeit gegangen. They said, Jesus, if you were here, sie sagten Jesus, wenn du bloß hier gewesen wärst, our brother would not have died. Dann wäre unser Bruder nicht gestorben. Jesus experienced it. Jesus hat es selber erlebt. He stood before the tomb of Lazarus and he began to cry. Er stand vor dem vor Lazarus. These are the realities. But what God does is this. In the midst of this reality, He gives us hope. Christ takes us beyond the boundaries of death. In Luke chapter 16, from verse 19 to 31, Christ told us about the, 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 the poor man Lazarus and the rich guy who died. You know that story? There was this rich man who was enjoying his life. 
And there was this poor guy, Lazarus, who was very poor. Lazarus was suffering. He was even trying to get food from the rich man, but he had no access. And as life dictates it, it came to a time that Lazarus died. And the rich man also died. Like we say, poor men die, rich men also die. But Jesus took us beyond that boundary to see what is going on there. When the rich man died, he was buried. When the poor man died, the Bible said the angels of God they came to take him and bring him into the paradise. The rich man was taken into eternal hellfire where he was thirsty. The poor guy in the kingdom there was enjoying the blessings of eternal life. And then the rich man opened the eyes and said, Oh, that is Lazarus, that poor beggar who was always at my gate. And he spoke to Abraham and said, Abraham, tell him to fetch me some water to drink because I am thirsty. And Abraham says, hey, gentlemen, look, you have enjoyed all your goodness on earth without thinking of anybody. This poor guy had enjoyed nothing, but at least he thought of people. That is why here he is being comforted. And the message there is that the life that we live in this limited space of time determines our eternity. No matter how we live here, we will die. But life goes on. So the way we live our eternity will be conditioned on how we live our life here. So Ecclesiastes chapter 12 says, Remember now your creator. Now, not tomorrow, now. Before the bad days come, the evil days come, and the verse 14 says, Now let us get the conclusion of every matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. So back to the second part of the question. We have to learn that when we are face to face this reality, 
God is still with us. Even when my father passes away, God is still in the situation. Even when my brother passes away, God is still in the situation. That was the experience of Job. But God is still there. And all the power, the strength, the morals, the inner, everything we would face, God will give us the strength to carry on. The reality is when it happens to you, you will think that is the end of the world. But the world has God goes still with you. And so in this hope, we also know that the people that we lost in Christ, we will see them again. In a place where they will not be sick again. Where there will be no death again. Where there will be no sorrow. Where there is no pain. Revelation chapter 21. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heavens and the first earth has passed away. And then I saw the new city coming down from heaven, the new Jerusalem. And I heard a voice which says, Now the dwelling of God is with men. Say, and there shall be no more sorrow, no more pain, no more death. For the first things are passing away. And also let us understand the person who is dying. That sometimes for the person is a liberation. Out of pain. Out of struggle. It is an end to suffering. But a beginning of eternal life. So what we need to do is that we should offer people around us love every day and introduce them to Christ so that when they die or when God calls us we know we have loved them we have nothing to regret and in, with Christ in them we are going to meet again when death will no longer separate that is very challenging and there I cannot give any guarantee I will not also say they are going to hell because that is not my judgment that one is God's own judgment but one thing I can tell you is that the surest guarantee is when the person knows God but I also know there is going to be a judgment and we come back again to that uh, Matthew 25 from verse 31 going when Jesus said he's going to judge humanity I don't know how the judgment of that individual would be but it's God's judgment but 
the surest way is to help to introduce our relatives to Christ. Then when they die, we know they die in Christ. And because they die in Christ, they will also resurrect in Christ. I think I have answered you. God bless you. Yes, uh, we go first to Kolia. Is it a question of contribution? Okay, very short, please. Yes. Zwei Dinge, die ähm, eigentlich der Gebote, das, äh, das erste meine ich, ist, dass eine Verheißung in sich trägt, wo es heißt, äh, Ehre Vater und Mutter, dann wird du ein langes Leben haben. Das eine Teil, diese Frage zu beantworten, aus unserer gläubigen Sicht. Um, that means like one way to answer this question out of the Christian perspective. Dass Gott wusste, dass unsere Eltern uns wehtun wird. Und das zu überwinden und äh, heil werden zu lassen, knüpfte an das Versprechen ein langes Leben. Ich glaube fest daran, selbst wenn ich beispielsweise einen Teil an Krebs haben würde, aber wirklich in meinem Herzen tatsächlich die Vergebung für meine Eltern ist und sie ehre, And, um, but in my heart, I have total forgiveness for my parents, and I And that that could be a way I go to God and say, God, I want a long life. Und ich auch, dass er und, um, I also believe that He will hear me then. Und das Zweite, aus dem Korintherbrief, and the second thing out of um, Corinthians. Wer immer also Wer immer also auf unwürdige Weise das äh, Blut des Herrn, äh, das Brot des Herrn isst oder den Kelch des Herrn trinkt, wird sich der Entweihung des Leibes und Blutes des Herrn schuldig machen. Deshalb möge ein Mensch sich zuerst trinken, dann mag er von dem Brot essen und laut den Kelch trinken. Und auf den Kelch trinken. Denn ein Mensch, der isst und trinkt, ohne den Leib zu erkennen, isst und trinkt das Gericht für sich. Deshalb sind viele unter euch, das meint uns Christen bzw. Korinth, ähm, schwach und krank und einige sogar verstorben. Wo steht das geschrieben? 1 Corinthians 11. Mach das einmal auf Englisch. From verse 28. Hm? Yes, thank you so much. You want to say something to it? Okay, so what he tries to bring across is again this pushing of boundary. You can. You can do things to live longer. One of them is what God teaches us to honor our fathers and our mothers. But there are things you can do to die also earlier. That is the first Corinthians 11. God bless you so much. Mama, we give you the word again. Okay. I want us to add the same thing. Yes. Uh, I know we don't have to judge because only God has the duty. No one should. But what Jesus said, uh, told us is that uh, he is the, 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 the way, the truth, and the, the, truth life. And the life. So uh, somebody who don't have Jesus, you don't have this way, this truth, and this life. Mm -hmm. This is you can call it that it's a judgment. If you don't, you don't have Jesus, you cannot pass through this way. You cannot have this life. You cannot have. Yeah. Thank you so much, Mama. Yes. Yeah. 
offenbar, dass Jesus gesagt hat, er ist der Weg, das Leben und die Wahrheit. Und dass wenn wir nicht in dies, auf diesem Weg laufen, dann, also sie möchte selber nicht richten und irgendwas sagen, aber dann weiß sie halt ja. auch nicht. Ne? Wenn wir nicht den Leben nehmen, das Leben nehmen, das Jesus uns anbietet. Yes. Um, Mama, one of the questions that rises here. Die Frage, die aber aufkommt, is what does it mean that Jesus is the way? Aber was bedeutet es, wenn es heißt, dass Jesus der Weg ist? Uh, sometimes we understand Jesus is the way. Uh, okay, let me put it this way. Uh, walking in the way of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Jesus is the way means he calls us to walk on his ways. Jesus is the way, steht geschrieben. Das bedeutet, um, er bringt uns dazu, auf diesem Weg zu wandeln. And uh, going on this way means to do what Jesus do. Auf diesem Weg wandeln bedeutet, das zu tun, was Jesus getan hat. So it can also be possible that people claim they are Christian but they are not walking on the way. Es kann also auch möglich sein, dass Leute sagen, sie seien Christen, aber sie wandeln nicht auf diesem Weg Jesu. But there is also another reality. Aber es gibt noch eine andere Realität. Mama, and these realities are that there are people, as we have the chance to even hear about Jesus, there are people in villages, in some countries, in, in, in Western Ever, who have never heard about Jesus before. In Saudi Arabia, in China, they even never heard about this name Jesus. Some will die even without hearing of Jesus. Some will one day hear of Jesus. Some have died without hearing of Jesus. So, how do we how will God deal with this situation? Is it not unjust? Wie wird Gott also mit dieser Situation umgehen? Ist es dann nicht ungerecht? That God just put somebody to hell who has never heard of Jesus because the person has not received Jesus. Because the Bible says, how will they believe unless someone preach to them? Es wäre dann nicht ungerecht, dass Gott jemand in die ewige Verdammnis führt, nur weil diese Person nie was von Gott gehört haben. Weil Gott sagt selber, wie sollen sie niemals von mir erfahren? So one thing is this. Eine Sache ist also die. If you reject Jesus, wenn du Jesus ablehnst, You know, anyone who rejects him is already condemned because he has not received him. But what about all these millions of people? Paul tells us in the book of Romans that even in our culture, God reveals himself sometimes. And Paul says even the law is written in our conscience. So even somebody who has not heard of Jesus, in his conscience and even in his culture, know that it is not good to kill, to steal, understand that it's good to help people to do good. So I believe on the judgment day, like uh, Matthew 25, these are some of the people that God will say, I was sick, I was in the hospital, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you, you, you visited me. I, I, I was hungry, you gave me food to eat. 
And Jesus will say, and they will tell Jesus, sorry, we haven't even heard about you before. Why did we do that to you? And Jesus will say, because you did it to your brother, you have done it to me. So that is how the judgment will be. But people who receive Jesus, the Bible said they have passed through judgment unto life already. There is no judgment for them. There is no condemnation for them. So these are the two phases, Mama, of the situation. So Jesus is the way. He's calling us all to walk on his ways. In order not to put our salvation into question. Mama, thank you so much for bringing this outside to the question. Can we move on? Yeah. Have we answered this question? Then let's give the Lord a hand. The first thing that strikes me so much is the feeling. I feel that God is a friend. God is distant from me, or I am distant from God. Which helps me to bring one situation very clear. We need to reach a place where we do not reduce worship and working with God to our feelings. And we must a point reach where we our with God and our feelings. You know, sometimes everything about God is what we feel. We need to go beyond that level. It's good. The feelings are good. But we need to go beyond that to the level of faith. So it's not what I feel that makes God how real or how unreal he is. But my working with God must only be conditioned by faith. The Bible says that faith, or Romans 1 17, that the just will walk by faith. So, before I come to faith, I come now to the issue of knowing God. Jesus prayed and said, This is the eternal life. That they will know the one true God. And Jesus, whom you have sent. So, knowing God is part of us getting the eternal life. But the question is, how good do we know God? 
Do we know God to be that one who can abandon us? Is he not the one who say, I will never leave you nor forsake you? Is he not the one who tells us that even if a mother can abandon her own child, me, God, I will never abandon you? Do we know him to be faithful? Do we know him that he will never lie? So the fact that I feel he is distant away from me does not mean that he's distant away from me. So we need to go beyond what we feel to have faith in the word of God and in how we know God. And faith tells you that even though in the situation I do not feel that he is there, but I know his name is Emmanuel, God with me. Therefore, I believe that he is there with me. I believe in him. I have faith in him. So you move beyond your feelings to connection to God in faith and not feelings. Because feelings can disappoint. Feelings can mislead. And walking in the flesh means being controlled by your feelings. Um, to the people that we went to Amsterdam the other time, even before then, we said it here, that we need to go beyond that level of emotions and feelings and get really connected to God. Oh, but sometimes this happens. Even Jesus felt abandoned by God. People use reasons to say that indeed God has abandoned him. Because of sin and because of sin and God turned his back. These are wonderful theses. But when I go back to the scripture, one of the prophecies about Jesus in the psalm is God will never abandon him to the grave. At that point of time, the flesh felt abandoned. But three days later, it became clear that God has never abandoned him. Because he said he will never abandon him. So it doesn't matter how we justify it. Sometimes during the moment, you will feel abandoned. He never abandoned us. But we feel abandoned. But what happens when you feel distance from God? Most often these things happen when you have committed some sins which are worrying you. Uh, sorry, if I use you, um, I, I, we don't normally use you, so I'm not talking about you. But I mean, we, 
you know, because this is realities that we all go through. What should I do? Let us be wise like the prodigal son. He said, I will rise up and go back to my father. So the more you realize it, the earlier you realize it, go fast back to him. Get on your knees and say, Lord, I have seen, I feel a barrier between you and me. And his arms are always open. Interestingly, somebody wrote on Facebook the other time that uh, the, the son was expecting to become a servant. But the father was expecting his son back and not a servant. So anytime we get back to him, our position is there. We are sons and daughters of God. And nothing can change that. Not even the sin that befalls me. Nothing can reduce me from that position. Because Jesus is the one who has given me that identity of son and daughter. Can we move on? <laughs> Fresh chick is waiting for rice. Not kind of again. Okay, let's answer. Yeah, wisdom, do you still have your question available? Not yet. Then you prepare it for this time. God bless you. Yeah. These are very good questions that we need to deal with. And what we are going to do now is we are going to do a lot of influence or deduction. We are going to deduce, yeah. Because you know the issues of uh, relationship. Per se, as we understand it today, the Bible has not uh, explicitly dealt with them. But since the focus of every relationship is marriage, and the Bible has dealt intensively with issues of marriage, we can learn from it also to, to get things to deal with our relationships. So the first thing we are going to deal with is the issue of marriage. Someone who is married to an unbeliever. How does the Bible deal with that? Uh, Romans and uh, no, First Corinthians uh, seven. No, First Corinthians. Uh, uh, what the name? Seven. Yes, twelve to sixteen.
before that, I think it is good that I give a verse to Mama concerning what I said about culture and uh, tradition. Uh, is it in Romans chapter 2 or chapter 3? Chapter 2? Yes. Uh, I think we dealt with that also when we were learning in the book of Romans. Uh, one minute, please. We come back to that. Um, it's three. Okay. Okay. Can we read this? Maybe uh, Romans chapter 2, verse 12 to, to, to 16. Yes, Mama. I think that will deal with uh, the question of uh, people who did not know Christ and they died. Somebody can read it for us first in, 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 um, in German. Romans 2, verse um, 12 to 16. judgment day. They didn't know the law, they didn't know the world, they didn't know Christ, whatever. But they did exactly what was expected from people who know Christ. So on the day of judgment, God will bring it to life. So that judgment will still leave it for God. Yes. Okay. Well, First Corinthians chapter 7. <laughs> Verse 12 to 16. I, I would like somebody to read it for us in Deutsch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Er sich nicht bewegt werden. 13. Und wenn eine Christin einen ungläubigen Mann hat, der bei ihr bleiben will, soll sie ihn nicht verlassen. 14. Wenn der ungläubige Mann steht, durch seine, seine gläubige Frau von dem Eintritt Gottes, ebenso die ungläubige Frau durch ihren gläubigen Mann. Now, what the verse 14 in English says, for the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife. Also, wenn, die wenn der ungläubige Nee, nee, denn der ungläubige Mann ist durch die Frau geheiligt. Genau, which version is that? Warte, it is very well. It's sanctified by the wife. And the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the believing husband. Yeah. Also der ungläubige Mann ist geheiligt durch die heilige Frau und andersrum genau. Mm -hmm. Ja, weiter, best for Achso, Wenn der ungläubige Mann steht, Gott, 
If the person says because you are a Christian, I don't want to stay with you anymore, okay, choose, you can do it. But if the person says you are a Christian, I'm staying with you, then you, the believer, stay. Because something is, yes, yes, because something is happening here. We can say the person who is not a believer is not sanctified. The person who is delivered, a believer, is sanctified. But in the union of the marriage, the sanctification is taking the prevalence over the whole show and not the unsanctification. And this is how powerful the sanctification we receive from Jesus Christ is. Everything unsanctified that he touches becomes sanctified. So the guy, the woman, automatically because of you, is sanctified. And your children are all sanctified and they are staying under the blessings of God. Both ways. But like I said, if the person doesn't want to stay, the person can go. We are called to live in peace. Now to relationship. You see, the aim of relationship is to lead to a marriage. And uh, in a relationship, we have principles as children of God that must guide the way we, we take care of the relationship, we leave the relationship. Now, the question is, that person who is an unbeliever, will he be ready to abide with those values and principles that you, as a child of God, have opted for to guide your relationship? Mommy, if I continue, you have the word. Because this principle, we will not compromise with them. 
werden keine Kompromisse schließen, was sie angeht. There are things which make us and there are things which unmake us. Das sind Dinge, die uns ausmachen und die uns aber auch ausmachen. This principle causes us to set God as the number one in our life. Das sind Prinzipien, die sagen, Gott ist die Nummer eins in unserem Leben. Mami? Also, was ist eigentlich wie mit meiner Freundin, da ist der Vater noch in dem Kopf It is not about their father or their mother. It's about them. Yeah. Thank you. I think it again falls into the discussion we are having. The believer or the unbeliever, you know, whichever way. But it falls on the fact that you are they are not both Christians. It doesn't matter what religion it is about. But they are both not Christians. So it is falling under this category. Now, there are situations I will not like to you. Where people got involved in such a relationship. And before you realize the woman become a Christian. Or the man becomes a Christian. Uh, because you don't know how God is going to save the person. But that is not the determining factor. The determining factor is does he agree with the values and the principles with which God wants my relationship to be run. When we have problems, where do we turn to? What is beautiful with Christian relationship is when challenges come. How <laughs> we go back here. It helps you. If he does not have respect for this, I have respect for this. How can we have this? Mama Linda. Yeah, Hello. For example, like a husband and wife. Then uh, a woman is a Christian, and uh, the husband is not a Christian. Then uh, between both of them, why the man will stay at home, the father, that is the wife will go to church, start praying that uh, God will touch the wife, the husband, so that he become a Christian. Then when he come back, then maybe he may just talk to him about the word they have in the church, about Jesus Christ and this and that. Then he can say, no, no, no. But face you are Christian, let me face my own. Yeah. But for example, the God said that a, a man who find a wife having good thing, mm. they're supposed to be united mm. as one. Mm. But uh, some problem from men, they say that I'm the head of the house. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> that's always the problem. Yeah, I'm the head of the house. So what I said is what you is So I don't know how they, we can deal with that. Deal with that. Yeah. Mama, uh, the Bible tells us very well how to, oh, sorry. Sorry, man shall not leave my bed alone. <laughs> 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 I'm looking for this in Peter because it addresses the situation. Um, just one minute, thank God Google is here. 
Google is not only for finding uh, what is the meaning of that, but it helps us also to get uh, uh, verses. It should be in uh, Peter. Uh, just one minute. Uh, first Peter, wait a minute, chapter 3, I think. First Peter, chapter 3. Uh, uh, one minute. Uh, I forget, I'll look for it. Um, it is written, this one is written there that women be submissive to your husbands and serve them. Yes, but the other side is not here. The other side is saying that so that you may win them by your good deeds. Yeah. But at the end of the day, because of the good works that you do, you win them without work. What is that? Chapter three. Let's read it. Amen. You see, Christians, to be very frank. People are tired about our preaching. <laughs> no, 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 no. People are really tired. You know, we can do everything and come and stand here and preach like the heavens are shaking. People know us. So how can you be fighting every day, insulting your husband at home? Who doesn't go to church and later you come and sit down and say, I want to preach the word of God to you. When your husband begins to see the beauty of God in you, the love, the care, it's like, what has happened to my wife? Then you will know that indeed the God we are worshipping is a transforming for good power. So Peter is saying, even if your husband doesn't want to listen to the word of God from you, let your life preach Christ to him. And vice versa. You are a man, you go to church. Your wife doesn't go to church. You are teaching on your wife. You beat your wife. You don't care for the children. You are irresponsible as home. What kind of word of God are you coming to preach to this woman? I mean, what kind of God is that? But if your life projects the beauty of God, she will adore you. But that is marriage. Relationship. My main concern now is which principles are you going to use to lead the relationship? 
also meine, Sorge, meine Frage ist jetzt, welches Prinzip oder welche wirst du dich basieren, um eure Beziehung voranzubringen? So that is where the challenge comes. Da kommt die Herausforderung. Mein Vergleich dazu finde ich auch von Matthäus 26, Vers 57, wo Jesus vor dem Hohen Rat steht und den Ankündigungen nicht widerspricht, er schweigt. Weil er sagt, die Wahrheit ähm, kommt ans Licht. Ich muss gar nicht argumentieren gegen das, was mich gegen dich gebracht wird. Sondern er schweigt und lässt ihn selbst, ich bin die Wahrheit. Und deswegen wird das Leben nicht echt. Er lässt die Wahrheit einfach stehen. Er geht gar nicht ein auf diese falschen Entschuldigungen. Das heißt, wenn wir in so einer Beziehung, in einer Ehe argumentieren und argumentieren und argumentieren und gar nicht weiterkommen, wie du sagtest, wir predigen wird genug. Wer es hören möchte, der hört zu. Wer es nicht hören möchte, der so that is really the challenge. That is a challenge. Um, that is a challenge. So I didn't answer that question because I left the question with the question. And I intentionally do it that way. Because the person asked the question by, by saying, Duff! Man. And my answer is, man darf alles. Everything is allowed to man. But not everything is good to man. Can we stop here? God bless you.